Y'all ready? Let's go to Judges 16 real quick. Judges 16. This is one of my favorite stories uh, dealing with uh, Samson and Delilah. And there's a couple parts out of here I want to highlight uh, for you. And I think that it's going to um, help you in your walk and where it is God is carrying you to to keep growing. Uh, beginning in verse 15, here's what the scripture says to us. Uh, then she said to him, how can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you've made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I've been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back once more. He's told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with silver in their hands. After putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him and his strength left him. Then she called Samson. The Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza. Binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding grain in the prison. Here's the beautiful part. But the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Um, for a few moments, I want to talk to you all from a thought we're simply calling new growth. Everybody shout it with me, new growth. And by the end of this message, the part that I want you to be convinced about is that there's not a mistake that you have made that's going to stop you from growing into everything that God has called you to be. I don't care what your season and your life look like in the pandemic. I don't care what yesterday looked like. I don't care what last week looked like. I don't care what last month looked like. I could care less what last year looks like. You serve the God of redemption and the God of life. And he loves you enough to not leave you in the condition that you put yourself in. And as a matter of fact, he had already made provision for your life to get better before you ever knew where it was and he's gonna allow you to experience new growth so uh, the way I want to start this message is like this my wife is a kitchen beautician um, are there any kitchen beauticians in the room like or you grew up in a kitchen beautician what it means is there was someone that was doing your hair that had no license whatsoever but they <laughs> had mastered watching um, other people do it. They had studied a craft uh, to an extent, and they learned from somebody else how to, do, how to do a little stuff, how to do some stuff. My wife's been a kitchen beautician for over three decades. I think she came out of the womb doing people's hair. And um, she's done our daughter's hair. We have four girls. She's done our daughter's hair as far back as I can remember. Um, and one day, a pre-pandemic, I came home, and my wife had this crazy idea that she wanted to go blonde. Sure, do whatever you like. You know, she wants to go blonde. I come home and she's got this substance in her hair. And I said, what are you doing? She's like, I just want to change it up a little bit. You know, I thought that's what wigs were for. Found out that that's not the case. Um, so she decides she wants to do it with her real hair. Um, 
Hair was supposed to be blonde. By the time she rinsed everything out, it had this real cool purple tint to it. Like, it was purple. It was like a real light purple, almost blonde, but not quite. You could see the purple hue in it. And so she's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to rock this purple hair. You know, so it was, we were excited. He had a purple wife for a while. But the, 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 the part that made it tricky was as time progressed, um, she started waking up to clumps of her hair on her pillow thought it was going to be a one-day thing. It turned out to be a two-week thing. Her hair was falling out literally every day until one day she had to call my barber to cut her hair lower than mine because she had killed so much of it over processing it. That's a kitchen beautician for you. Um, (laughs) The challenging part for her was she was devastated because she said, my hair is never going to grow back. I've after a couple weeks, it looks like her hair was still as low as mine. A month had passed. My hair was longer than hers, actually. And she said, my hair is never going to grow back. But what I've learned with growth is that often when you're watching it, you don't see it happen as quickly as you want it to happen. But it don't mean that something ain't going on underneath the surface. Here's what I want you to know. You may feel like you're in the same position you were a year and a half ago. But little do you know, you have grown some over the course of time that you ain't giving yourself credit for. Matter of fact, you ought to pat yourself on the back and just say, I'm proud of me. Look, two years ago, I would have responded a completely different way. But look at me growing up. I ain't got in no fights unnecessarily. I ain't told nobody off in a long time. I'm growing. That's how I'm growing. I'm growing. But for, for what God's going to do in your life in this next season, it's going to take some new growth. He, he's going to teach you how to put boundaries and perspectives around relationships because just because they're in your space now doesn't mean they're supposed to be in your space forever. And you have to be able to rightly discern who's here, what's their motive, what's their motivation, and what is the purpose behind their arrival in my life right now. So I want to unpack the story of Samson, because I think it's a beautiful one. Um, Samson's mother was barren, and she had prayed to God for a child. She had experienced infertility for an extended period of time, and then the angel of the Lord came to her and said, listen, you're gonna get pregnant, but when you get pregnant, don't drink any strong wine, and when you deliver the baby, don't let a razor touch his head. Because I'm anointing him for something different. She gives birth to Samson. Samson grows. And the scripture says in Judges 14 and Judges 15. That the strength of God. The spirit of God would come upon it. Samson looked like an ordinary man. But on the other side of his ordinary look. Was a supernatural power from God. We often talk about Samson's strength. But we don't talk about enough. I think that with the strength that he had, it wasn't because he stayed in the gym all the time. It wasn't because he mastered a push-up routine. He was strong because the Lord was with him. And it was easy to assume that he wouldn't be who he was because he didn't look like much of nothing. But ain't it just like God to take somebody that don't look like much of anything and do something extraordinary with them. Ain't it just like God for everybody to look over you and look past you and think that your life is never going to amount to anything, but you be the very one God chooses to use just because they didn't see it in you don't mean God won't put it on you. Everybody don't have to recognize it for it to be God in the midst of it. 
Samson grows in stature and strength. And um, I want to go ahead and get to my first point because there's three of them I want to share with you today. Um, and the first one is, is pretty simple as this. Growth is mandatory, but maturity is a choice. Okay. Growth is mandatory, but maturity is a choice. And here is uh, the best way I can describe it. Um, my mother used to measure our height in the closet of our bedroom. She would mark us with a pencil. She would date it. She wouldn't measure us every day. She'd measure us every so often, every six months, every nine months, sometimes once a year. But she would measure us just so that we could track how far we were growing. Uh, very often, I would find myself going in trying to remeasure myself. Got the ruler going at a slant, giving myself an extra inch or three. Uh, so I would feel like I was a little bit taller than I was because the truth is I was a late bloomer. I was about four foot six until I was about 14 years old. Any other late bloomers in the room, like you just came into life a little bit later than everybody else. I was a midget in high school. It just took me a while. But when I caught up, I caught up. But here's where I'm going with this. Even when I wasn't asking to, my body was growing. But choosing to walk in maturity is a completely different thing. There are many people who have grown in age, but have digressed in maturity. The requirement of life is you're going to get old. We are going to grow older. The force of life or the choice of life is you don't necessarily grow in maturity. You choose to grow in maturity. And I believe that what, or what God is going to do next in your life, you're going to have to make a conscious decision to say, I'm going to mature through the difficulty of life so that I can fully become everything that God has called me to be. Here's what maturity looks like. Samson marries a woman. Samson get booed up, right? He marries a woman. Um, he, he tells a riddle at his wedding. He marries a, a Philistine woman. He tells a riddle at the wedding and tries to get the Philistines to figure it out. They can't figure it out, so they go to his wife and say, hey, while you're in the bed with him, can you find out what the answer to that riddle is? And surely as Samson got comfortable, he told his wife the answer, and she went back and told his enemies, right? That's fine happening one time, but then we find it happening again with Delilah, which shows me that Samson grew in age and probably his anointing, but he did not mature through the seasons of his life. Because anytime you find yourself regurgitating the same season and the same cycle over and over again, it means that you have grown up, but you haven't matured to pass the test. Can I say this real quick? Everybody shout this, I'm passing the test. Like what, what I failed last year, I ain't ever going to fail again. What I did not pass in the last season, I'm never going to find myself there again. I'm going to pass this test. I refuse to keep stumbling at the same places when God has given me the anointing and the grace to pass it this time. I'm going to pass this test. What it simply means is I'm making a decision to be mature even when I don't want to be mature. I'm going to make a grown up decision even when it don't feel like it is the easiest thing for me to do. Now, the, the thing with maturity is this. Maturity teaches you how to manage your mouth. When you get mature, you begin to understand that I can't give everything to everybody because just because you're around me don't mean you got my best interest in mind. Now, 
Just because you're in my corner today does not mean you're looking out what's best for my destiny and my future. Just because you say you love me doesn't mean you're going to stay with me forever. What maturity teaches you how to manage is I can't share my dream, my purpose, my destiny with just anybody because they may not be there the way that I think they are. Maturity teaches you how to learn your Peter, James, and Johns so you won't mistake Judas for John. It will teach you that everybody around you can't handle all of you all the time. It'll show you what it means to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. There's a reason why you got to listen quick. Because when you listen to people long enough, they will unfold their motive for coming anyway. If you would stop and just listen to what they're saying more than how they're showing up, they're going to reveal the reason why they came anyway. God's going to give you insight. He's, he's going to teach you how to be mature in your responses. He's going to show you that in, in every aspect of your life, you don't have to respond to everything. You can talk about me and I can still stay silent. You can misunderstand me and I won't feel the need to overexplain myself. You can misinterpret my call and my destiny and I won't feel the need to over explain to you. I'll let my life do the explaining. Can, can I just say this real quick? That when you're really mature in God, you no longer worry about defending yourself or your name. You know, he'll do it for you. He is the one who vindicates your name. He clears your name for you, right? So maturity means I know how to manage my mouth. I don't talk too much too soon, right? And I'm not flippant with my words, my actions, or my activity. I understand that every word that I say carries weight. And because my words are weighty, I can't throw them everywhere. Maturity teaches you that if I say it, I know it's going to become a reality. So let me watch myself. <laughs> if I begin to confess it, I know it's going to become real. So let me be very calculated and methodical with everything that comes out of my mouth. So it's one thing to grow. It's another thing to mature. And I believe that if God gets us to the point of maturity, everybody shout it with me, maturity. If God gets us to the point of maturity and how we manage our mouth, it's going to change our lives forever. Because point number two is this. Our weaknesses remind us that we're still growing. Just because you're weak don't mean you're not growing. Um, I love the gym. I, I used to frequent the gym very often before I bought a tunnel. Um, and I used to like to frequent the gym late at night. One night, I was really gassed up on pre-workout. Any, anybody in here work out and like you've had C4 or some, something else that was probably illegal but felt really good? You know, why? You know, you, you're drinking it. But, well, not illegal, but you know, but something you probably shouldn't be, you know, drinking at midnight before you go in the gym, right? <laughs> this night, I, I, I was, you know, had my pre-workout juice and I was on the bench and... I put up 275 easy, like no problem, right? Gym's empty. It's me and, and the cleanup man. I got 275 so easy. I said, let me put 315 on here. See, y'all already know where this is going. Y'all, yeah. I heard every old Lord, all right? So let, let me put 315 on here. If I can get 275, I'm feeling 
superhuman tonight. You know, the C4, my, my, my skin is tingling and I'm scratching. And I'm like, I, can, I, I got this tonight. I've never felt this good. So I, I put three 45-pound weights on each side and I just didn't put them in. I was so confident in my ability, I locked them in, right? So I made sure that once I'm doing this, this weight ain't moving nowhere. I get under the bench. I have gassed myself up. I'm, I'm, I've got my music in my ears. I'm psyched myself up like, easy, we're going to get this up one time. And, you know, who, who max reps with no, with no spotter? Me. So um, I get the weight up, no issue. I get the weight down, gravity. I get ready to push the weight back up. And y'all, I don't don't know what happened. My body went into temporary paralysis. Like, I could. So I got 315 pounds sitting on the middle of my chest. And I'm trying with everything in me to get it up. This weight ain't moving. Typically, you can lean over to the side and get the weights to slide off. I locked everything in. So there ain't no wiggle, there ain't no slide. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm a down this bench. And, <laughs> and thankfully, Mr. Cleaner Man, who has become now my best friend, uh, <laughs> he's, he's a friend for life now. He was watching me, and I think in the back of his mind, he said, ain't no way this boy about to get this up. So <laughs> he was watching the distance. He came, and instead of just taking the weight off for me, he helped me lift it up. I was weak, but he was willing to help me grow through it. Your weaknesses are not your disqualifiers. I'm going to take it this far. Your weaknesses are the very reason why God wants to use you. For many people, they have, we have taken so much time to place emphasis on what we don't do well. If God needed you to do everything well, he wouldn't need you at all. You would be God. God knows he built you with deficiencies. But with your deficiencies, he wants you to know, I still want you. I love the fact that God loves me through the midst of my weaknesses. I love the fact that nothing about God expects me to be perfect. And I love the fact that even when I have struggled, he will still anoint me to do the assignment. So so your weaknesses are a sign. You're still growing. You, You don't have it all together yet, but I'm growing through it. Everything in my life is not perfect, but I'm growing through it. Samson, here, here was Samson's issue. Um, Samson married, got married, went off in essence to war, came back. Best friend has now married his wife. So he's had relational breakdowns. How many of you all know what it's like to have to live through relational betrayals? Betrayed by his wife and his best friend in one fell swoop. Next chapter, we find Samson, Judges 16, in the bed with the prostitute, the Philistines are waiting to kill him after he wakes up in the next morning. He gets up at midnight, takes the bars to the gates of the city, puts them on his shoulders and walks out the city like it ain't no big deal at all. <laughs> he just got out of his bed of sin, yet he's still anointed with God's strength. 
I think it's, it's something for us to highlight that God doesn't anoint us because we have a weakness. He anoints us beyond our weakness, right? Like you, God is not in heaven calculating your next fall and how he's going to take care of it. Blood has already been shed for that. He has already sent Jesus Christ once and for all to account for everything you could ever do wrong. I think it's beautiful that on the other side of Samson's fall, he's still anointed. What it shows us is God doesn't anoint you because you choose to live right. He anoints you because he anoints you. The, what, what he created you for from the beginning is going to be on you forever. He anoints you for what he anoints you for, right? Samson then says, let me find another woman to fall in love with. Samson's weakness was women. Let, let, let's just put it out there. Samson's, Samson's weakness, it, it, it wasn't food. Samson's weakness, it, it, it was women. He, he loved him a woman. And not just a woman. The Bible says he loved him a strange woman. Like, he loved women that were a little strange. He loved women that were a little... He loved strange... Right. So, his shortcoming is women... But he has no boundaries to help him with his weaknesses. What happens with most of our lives is when we've experienced relational betrayal, we put up walls but not boundaries, and there's a difference. Walls try to protect us from that happening again. Boundary protects us from people that caused it to happen the first time. You keep walls up so people won't know your business. But when you have boundaries, people can be in the bound with me, protecting me from what I don't need to touch anyway. There's a difference. Many of us have learned how to live walled up, but with no boundaries. So I don't let people in close enough to see where I struggle. Except for those that can see where I struggle. My friends can't see it, but the strange women can. I let those in that make me feel good about my weakness or feed it. But I keep those out that could keep me out of it. What God is trying to really fortify your life with is the type of relationships that love you enough to hold you accountable for, for foolishness. I know you're grown, but every once in a while, you need somebody in your ear to say, I wouldn't do that if I was you. I, I, I know you make your own money, but every once in a while, you need somebody in your life to say, that just ain't a good idea. Every once in a while, you need somebody whispering, girl, if I was you, I would not go out with him, and here is why. You need somebody in your corner that can calibrate your decision making. Because... I don't care how good you look, how great you smell, you still got a weakness. Raise your hand real quick if you got a weakness, at least one weakness. Raise your hand if you got multiple weaknesses. Hallelujah. We in good company. You got weaknesses. So because you got weaknesses, you need boundaries and the right relationships to help you work through them. Samson had none. He was the only child. There's no brothers to run to. Best friend has already betrayed him. No one understands him because he's different from everybody around him. He looks the same, but he's anointed with an extraordinary strength. And it's, I've learned that it's difficult to want to be like everybody, but be anointed for something else. It's hard 
when God creates you for something else, builds you for something else, you just want to be normal, but he's anointed you to be different. How many of y'all have ever prayed, God, just let me be like everybody else for one day. Give me one day to be like the rest of them and everything's going to be great. But God's anointed you to be different. He won't let you just kind of do it the way you want to do it. Samson has no boundaries to his relationships. He falls in love with a beautiful, strange woman called Delilah. This is how strange she was. Delilah says to Samson, before I even go there, Samson's in love with Delilah. Scripture says he fell in love with her. Delilah is in love with the money she's been promised. It's dangerous to be yoked in relationships with two different motivations. We ain't going in the same direction. You know, know, before you enter into your next even short-term friendship, I would ask, where are you really trying to go? Like, what is it that you want out of life? What is God saying for you so that I can be sure before I come into covenant, we're going in the same direction? She, she's in love with the money. He's in love with her. She's in love with the money so much. She says, Samson, where your strength at? You know, the thing about Delilah, what I like about it, she didn't beat around a bush. Hey, I, I, what I really want to know, why are you so strong? Like, you, you look like all the other men I done dated. What makes you so different? Why are you so strong? You know? And, and, and Samson says to her, what will happen is if, if you tie me with fresh animal tendons that have never been used, my strength will leave. Delilah ties this man up and says the Philistines are coming. He wakes up and breaks out. She said, you lied to me. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you again, where your strength at? Samson says, if you tie me with new ropes that have never been used, my strength is going to go away. She ties him up and says, the Philistines are coming. He wakes up out of his sleep and breaks forth. Delilah said, you lied to me again. Tell me where your strength at. He says, braid my hair, baby. If you braid my hair and put that bobby pin in the back of it, my strength going to be gone. He goes to sleep. Delilah pulls her indiary. She starts braiding that hair, right? She, she braids his hair. And she says, the Philistines are upon you. He wakes up, shakes his head free, and his strength is still there. Because he was weak, I want you all to really catch this. Samson wasn't even looking for sex. He was looking for safety. What the scripture explicitly shows us, every time he's with Delilah, he's laying his head in her lap. He's looking for a safe place to lay his head. And how many of you all have been weak and just wanted a place to rest and rested in the wrong place? Laid your head next to somebody that said they'd be with you forever and they left you three weeks later. Laid your head with someone that promised you the world but couldn't offer you any of it. He lays his head just because he wants to be comfortable. And he finally says, Delilah finally wears him down. The Bible says she nagged him to death. And says, tell me where your strength lies. You have to see the progression. He starts with tie me up. It progresses to braid my hair. 
every time he gives her a little bit, he gets closer to his true, weak, to his true strength. Because the longer you stay in it, the more comfortable you become. <laughs> he says, if you cut my hair off, everything, my strength is going to leave me. He lays in her lap one last time. How, how tired did Samson have to be to lay in Delilah's lap long enough for a barber to come in the room? And while she strokes his cheeks, he's taking shears and cutting his locks. While she's moving her knee up and down. You know how you rock a baby. While she's rocking the baby to make sure he stays asleep. He doesn't even feel that his strength is being depleted. And he jumps up and says, I'm going to, she says, the Philistines are coming. He says, I'm going to do just what I did the last time. I'm going to shake myself because Samson is familiar with falling and still being invincible. He is familiar with falling and still winning. And now in this moment, he doesn't even realize he's got so comfortable that he don't even know. He goes to shake his head like he always does, but there's no hair there. He's so familiar with having it that he don't even realize that it's gone. And in one moment, the weakness did what weakness's end goal always is to do. They bound him with chains and they gouged out his eyes. Hear me. The reason why the enemy of your future wants you to focus in on what you're not strong with is because it blinds you to your future. If you only see your weakness, you'll never see your tomorrow. If you only focus on what you do well, you'll never see that on the other side of your inability, there's a God with complete ability who made you the way that he made you and didn't make a mistake when he did it. Here's the third point. You're about to experience new growth, new opportunities, and new perspective. They write in your reach. He goes to prison, and in prison, his hair grows again. While he's locked away, he begins to rub his head and feel the stubble coming back. Now, a real enemy would have had a barber on call 24-7. They didn't feel a style. They really wasn't smart, man. They weren't as smart as the other one. If they were really smart, I would have had somebody that he get fresh shaven every day, please. Every morning, shave his head, please. Like, but they only wanted to incapacitate him for a moment. Because that's what your weakness wants to do, make you incapacitated for a moment, but they can't stop what you're actually built for. I believe that on the other side of you being aware of your areas of weakness, God's about to give you the opportunity to grow again. And if you stop blaming yourself for how bad your last fall was, you're going to see the God that already forgave it. There is not a mistake that you have ever made that has not been covered under the blood of Jesus. 
there is not a place that you can journey where the gospel of Jesus Christ still is not a reality. It's not a, a mistake. There's not an error in your story where his wounds for your transgressions and his bruises for your iniquities still don't matter. Jesus died once and for all just so that you can see on the other side of your mistake there is already coverage, love, and blood that was shed just for you. But here is my declaration over you. These next six months of 2022, you're about to experience radical growth in every area of your life. I'm, I'm talking about God is going to help you weed through the bad relationships and the bad connections. He's going to help you weed through the bad job opportunities, and he's going to show you what's right for your next step. But as you grow, he's also going to give you brand new perspective because everybody that you love cannot necessarily go with you to next level. There will be people you love dearly that you got to be willing to leave behind to go to next. And it's okay. To grow through relationships. You go through them and you can grow through them. And you'll learn that some people serve their purpose for the season, but they can't stay with me forever. Everybody is not a ride or die. My baby, Lael, and I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping this up. She is the, she's the greatest snitch in the house. I just, this is the best way I can say it. Um, <laughs> I keep Lael around because she a snitch. I'm just, I'm just going to tell y'all. Her sisters go on dates. They can't go on dates unless Lael go too because Lael is going to tell everything that happens, right? One afternoon, and I'm ending. One, one afternoon, her sisters, her and her sister did, got into an argument and Lael came in the room with me and Fanika and she laid it out. She literally told us step by step every word that was said, who rolled their eyes, when they went back upstairs, they, they, there was an argument that ensued between them. And all we heard Lael say was, baby, I'm not a ride or die. I'm a die or die. Like, I, 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 I ain't going to die for you. I'm going to tell the truth. You're going to have to die for yourself. You're like, I ain't going to die for you. I'm going to ride it out. Here's the thing. <laughs> I believe God's going to send you the type of relationships to help you put perspective and boundary on your, on your life. And that love you enough to tell you the truth. That are not so infatuated with how great you are that they're afraid to tell you here's where your life could be better if you did this. He's going to send you what I would simply call traction control for your future. People that will help you gain traction and keep momentum because they won't let you live recklessly. And it's what's going to cause new growth in your life. I pray that every area of your life experiences radical growth that the hand and the favor of God follows you to such a degree that everywhere you walk, you see growth, you feel growth, and you see the favor of God. I pray that for many of you, what you've been doing underground for years, like bamboo, it's going to spring forth suddenly. And you're going to see strength to what people think happened overnight. I'm praying for the type of growth that you can handle that won't consume you but where you're going to see the hand of God in it. And it's on Union Church. It's on your pastors. And if it's on them, it's got to be on you too. May you see the hand of God cause new growth in ways that blow your mind. And may you embrace the fact that as long as you live, you're going to make mistakes. 
but you're never your mistakes. Your mistakes are not moments. They're not you. They're they're moments, but they're not you. You're not the sum total of your last fall, your last bad decision. Yeah, that's not who you are. Who you are is a blood-bought child of God. You, you, you are called, sanctified. You, you are filled with his wisdom and with his spirit. You, you are called out when he called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You, you're graced to do great things. And it's all because the blood of the lamb has been shed for you today. I don't know where your walk has been with God. I don't know where you are in your decision making on on who God is and what he's doing in you. I don't, I don't know if you've known him all your life or this is an introduction. Here it is. Jesus' love for you is so radical. It's so extreme. God's love for you is so outrageous that he would send his son to die before you ever had an opportunity to say, I'm sorry. The cross was the greatest apology that we could ever offer. Jesus offered the apology for all of us at the cross. I'm going to do it for all of them. Before I am conscious, before you could even recognize that you needed him. He said, I'm already available. And today, I'm believing that no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, that God's love for you is so, so extreme. That it's going to help you understand that right where you are, he wants you just like that. If you could for one moment, everyone in the room, just just close your eyes. And I believe some of you are about to pray this prayer for the very first time. This prayer that gives Jesus Christ by the way of his spirit, the ability to enter in and come into your heart. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and into my life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and my Savior. Guess what? If you prayed that prayer for the very first time today, I want to celebrate the fact. Can we celebrate both in person and online, those who prayed that prayer for the very first time, and the God who loves them.